Inspiring stuff from Toronto Maple Leafs head coach Sheldon Keefe, I say with my tongue planted firmly okay, in about, the cheek. Okay, I was about to say, that's a lie. <laughs> uh, reminder to get your Wake and Rake selections in. Gunner and I, apparently we're basketball cappers, both nailed our... Uh, Basketball picks last night, but failed by the Edmonton Oilers, who failed to get a two-goal performance. Wait, What's going on? The Leafs, even the Leafs get two goals per game. Connor McDavid already thinks he's the Leaf. Oh, God. No, oh no, God. no. Uh, let's get to our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. He who appreciates a B-way like no oh. other, Luke Fox, oh. NHL reporter <laughs> at Sportsnet. Uh, we got to give you credit right off the bat here because you said not so fast when everyone's like, oh, no consequences. They won a first-round <laughs> series. There's no way that anything bad happens at the end of this year. There's no need for serious meetings, boardrooms. I can all, you know, July 1, it's, it's not a big thing. But you said, hey, what if they get swept by Florida? And now oh. I think we're thinking about those consequences again. So, I mean, maybe blame, maybe credit. I don't know. How do you see it, Luke? I'm going to jump in and answer that. Oh. I say blame. I always need someone to blame. Your fault. You spoke this into existence, Luke. I don't have that power. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't blame them. <laughs> I didn't jinx them. I didn't jinx. It, how how it plays out, right? Like you have to see what happens and and how it happens. Oh boy, I love I love I love the B way though. That did you love it in the moment though? <sighs> I didn't. I didn't even catch it. I didn't catch it in the moment, and that that was a new one to me. Um, I, I'm not up on the, the kids slang. So the B way that, that would, that, that was new to me. <laughs> Those guys, I didn't even hear that during the, cause you know, I'm doing post game Sunday night. So I listened to Keith did not listen to the players. Those guys played that for me live on the show. And I almost turned into the Joker when I, when I heard that, like, and it, it does not matter. I want to be clear. The phrasing that Mitch Marner uses to describe the B way that Joe wall had to face, <laughs> it does not matter, but it just so is indicative of the tone that people hate around this team. The loosey goosey, happy nature. Maybe don't call it a cutesy thing after you just fell down 3 nothing in a series. I think there's been so much of that. Do you think that's just kind of anger from the fan base, a.k.a. me, kind of seeking through? Or do you think there is something too? Because we, we keep going back to that, the idea of what's wrong with this core. It can't just be talent because they're talented enough. So there has to be something else. And I think a lot of people look to that, the loosey-goosey nature, the happy-go-lucky. And, you know, we talked about this with Jeff Merrick. I don't need performative outrage. Mitch Marner actually tried that once this year. Remember when he went and it smashed his stick and we all didn't like that either i don't need performative outrage i need actual being mad how how much of that do you think is fair to kind of read coming out of one comment like that but just the kind of general demeanor body language of the team no i i actually think there's something to that like so af after that loss you know they trotted out uh Tavares and matthews and marner and i think you know, the the fans probably wanted to hear something like, I need to be better. I wasn't good enough tonight. And there wasn't that sentiment. It was a lot of, let's stick with the process. We're getting our looks. We hit a crossbar. You know, that kind of thing. And I, and I think that's that's gotten old. I mean, that that's kind of been the... The, the sentiment since Columbus, Montreal, and, and I think it, it's kind of gotten tired. And I, I think there needs to be a little bit more accountability. And then Sheldon Keith is the same thing. You know, he's he's not calling these guys out. He's kind of just saying, 
well, you know, they were good for this period in game two and they're going to get their chances. And uh, it's like someone is afraid to, to say, you know what, this is not really acceptable and we need to be better. And if you look at it, we're probably the better team on paper and we're down 0-3. Like, I don't know. It, it, it feels like they're, they're talking as if this is game, you know, 46 of the regular season and not that the season is on the brink and this could all fall apart very quickly here. Uh, it's definitely disconcerting, but it's, it, it is that way because they put themselves in that position. Like I think the, the cynical fan might be like, well, we didn't expect anything else from them, right? We didn't expect them to say anything different. Maybe we expected them to be different on the ice though. Uh, and when you're watching this series play out and when you're watching, you know, Kyle Dubas's whole plan and vision for a hockey team, fail again like what stands out as like the biggest on ice issue well on on ice i think it's just they're the florida panthers want it more like i i look at 50 50 battles i look at taking care of the puck i look at aggressiveness on the forecheck uh how you know cleaner your breakouts you know i i look at the overtime winner and, and you know, Sam, Sam Reinhart, you know, kind of chipping a puck in, going through a bunch of guys, getting it back, getting a wrap around and, and no one touching him. Like, I, I, I just I just see there's a desire on the part of the Panthers. And, you know, it's not like the Leafs don't want to win, but I, I just don't see the them matching Florida's level of intensity. So is that mental? Is it psychological? Is it them gripping the sticks too tight? Is part of it coaching that, you know, Paul Maurice is out coaching Sheldon Keefe here and he's not getting them in the right frame of mind or, or you know, not having the right system for them? I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I, I think it's a combination of both. But, you know, the, the better team won in game three. I, I, thought they were go- I thought they were good in game two. But, okay, that's hockey. Sometimes you're the better team and you don't get what you deserve. Um, but you have to stick with it. And over the course of a seven-game series, if you're always the better team, you should come out on the right end. But there's too many too many lapses where, you know, Florida's been the better team, and they deserve to be up. Oh, 1,000%. There is no world where you can talk yourself into this least team deserving it. And even game two, I'm with you. They were the better team for 58 minutes of that game or whatever it was. But guess what? They fell asleep for two minutes to start the second period. And sometimes that's all it takes to lose yourself a hockey game. We saw it last night with Edmonton. They weren't the better team, but they had two go in the back of the net in a two-minute span against them. And that was kind of the game right there. And, you know, it just goes to the idea of wanting it more how do you fix that? You know, they've tried to bring in all the guys who want it, not more. They want it the most. Like Mark Giordano, vet, dying for his cup, wants it the most, playing for 800 grand. Ryan O'Reilly, serial winner, all this stuff. Noel Achari. But can you, this goes back to the age old conversation we've been having about this group and really the same four guys of can you graft that desire onto them? And I'm with you. 
Nobody thinks that Austin Matthews or John Tavares doesn't want to win, but will they die to? Do they need to? Whatever way you want to phrase it, and it just goes to, you know, does a new voice in the room, and I'm not talking about a player, I'm talking about a coach, you know, you can go get the biggest jerk of all time. You got Ken Hitchcock or somebody in there who is a famous, like, will run you into the ground. I don't know that that changes things, and it just continues to go back to how much of this is just driven by the personalities of those four guys. Yeah, no, I, I think you're onto something. It's like how many times, how, like at some point, it, it's not a small sample size, right? At some point, you have enough evidence there that you have to wonder: Is this the right core? Are these the right four guys to bet on? And for for Tavares, I feel like uh, Dubis kind of thought this would happen earlier. And these last couple of years, of course, he was going to fade a little bit with age. So I'm, I'm not blaming him as much for nope. that because I, I, I think that's on the GM kind of maybe misjudging the window. I think when they signed him to that massive deal, they thought the, the front half of his contract, those were the, the years that you were supposed to go all the way. Um, but you have to start wondering about Matthews and Marner and, and if, if they have what it takes, like, is it just simply that Kyle Dubas bet on the wrong horses here? Uh, and, and I think those questions are fair. I mean, they're harsh. They're harsh, right? Um, because their, their talent is off the charts, and you have to respect that, and, and you want to say how wonderful hockey players they are. But when their backs are against the wall, what kind of performance do you get? Do you get that performance that Leon Dreisaitl summons sometimes or Nathan McKinnon summons sometimes, like, are these the, the right guys that you should have bet on? And, uh, you know, I, I, I would say we're going to see Wednesday night, but I, I almost think we saw Sunday night already. Agreed. So I, I think uh, most fans have abandoned the deserve to win meter even though it didn't tick into the Maple Leafs' favor in Game 3. But there are things that would suggest things could be different, that maybe they have deserved a little bit better than a 3 nothing deficit. Is there any data point, any predictor, anything that you're willing to cling to that would suggest that things could be different here? I guess what I would cling to is the fact that Bobrovsky's played above his head. Um, and credit to him, right? Like, they, they invested a lot of money in tournament to that guy, and all of a sudden, he, he's finally showing up. Heaven but forbid he, he looked like this against literally any other team in the playoffs, Luke. I know. But, but, but he just happens to have his best three game stretch <laughs> of his of his whole season it's possibly okay. his whole possibly his whole, his, whole, in florida. his whole tenure in florida uh, against the Leafs. um so I, I guess that's what i would cling to is you know that bobrovsky's playing above his head he, he's playing amazing uh but it, but it's not it's kind of not just him right like the, the panthers defense hasn't been giving easy access i i would say he played above his head in game two and game three there weren't like a ton of grade A, like high, high danger looks where you're like, oh man, they almost got to him there. Uh, they, you know, they, they, they played pretty smart as a team. So who does Bob on sufficient rest oppose in game four? I've heard some yeah. wild theories about Matt Murray. Joseph Wall seems like the most likely candidate. Not sure what's going on with Ilya Samsonov, but uh, that was a pretty quick exit in game three. Do we have any inkling on where the Leafs are leaning? And I guess your opinion on who gives them the best chance. 
Yeah, I, I would get rid of those Matt Murray theories. Uh, it, it's going to be. Yeah, I think it's going to. I think it's going to be Joseph Wall, uh, unless somehow they, you know, Samsonov goes through the, these tests and they determine that he's healthy. Uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see who uh, who's healthy enough to even practice today. They're going to practice today at around one twenty uh, at Florida's rink, so we'll have a better idea then. But you know, Sheldon Keefe said yesterday that. Um, Samsonov woke up feeling a little bit better um, yesterday morning, which is a good thing, but he still needed an MRI and some other tests, and they were going to evaluate him. And then he went on to say about how much confidence they have in Joseph Wall. And right after game through game three, they said, Joseph Wall is ready for this. So that, to me, says this is their guy. They've quickly switched, like, let's try and instill some confidence in Wall all of a sudden because – He's probably the guy that that's going to have to carry this, and I and I get it. I I wouldn't trust Matt Murray at this at this stage either. I mean, I know he has the the Stanley two Stanley Cup rings and he has the pedigree, but he hasn't played a hockey game since April second, and even until that point, he wasn't playing very good hockey. So, uh, I I think you have to go with with Wall. As scary as that sounds, when you consider that this kid has very limited experience at the NHL level. I, I don't pin that loss on him. No, uh, you know they, they gave up the B way. Uh, they gave up the wraparound. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they they, they kind of hung him out to dry, and it's a, it's a, it's a rough situation to put him in. All of a sudden, like think about how much is riding on this next game. It could be it could be the GM's fate. It could be the coach's fate. It could be the core four's fate. And all of a sudden, you're you're trusting it to a guy who's. What I don't know, I don't know what he's was he played like fifteen maybe yeah. NHL games total like if you include playoffs and regular season, um, but you know I, he does have the right attitude for it. He, he's he's calm and and I don't think he was I don't think he looked horrible in the net. So uh, I don't know the drop off between uh, an injured Samsonov and a healthy Joseph Wall. I don't I, I don't think it's it's that great to be honest. I think the only way you put Matt Murray in net is if you are worried the team in front of the goalie is about to go lay a complete egg because it is one, two, three Cancun right before the game. Like, I think that's the only way that you put Matt Murray in because you don't want to put Joe wall in this tire fire situation. If you have actual concerns that that is what is about to happen tomorrow night of seasons already over this group's about to lay an egg. Then I would put Matt Murray in there because I don't want to sick that on Joe wall because I I think this is a guy you are building confidence in and you need to be careful about that. You you mentioned the idea of what's still on the table. I think for me, and you feel free to tell me you think differently, I think for me the die has kind of already been cast, even if there is some miraculous push it to six or push it to seven. Obviously, they win the series. All bets are off the other way. I would, I would venture to guess that Shanahan and Dubas safe Sheldon Keefe not that is where I would stand right now do you think that's accurate where do you lean honestly I don't know about Dubas I'm I'm kind of 50 50 so yeah it would just be speculation totally. at, at that point I, I I think Sheldon Keefe you know is this may be his last last week as Leafs head coach and and I do think that he's been proven to be an excellent regular season coach. I would not be surprised if he got another chance and would be better for it, you know, having this experience. But I, I think when he goes head to head with other coaches in playoff series, 
this is too many times now where he's he's been out coached. And I also think like if you're going to keep, even if you keep a chunk of the core, most of the guys, I, I I do kind of feel like it's time for a different voice. For sure. You know, you know, I I, I just feel like it, it, it's time. Uh, as for Dubis, I don't know what he wants. You yeah. know, I I'm not I'm not in his head because if he wants to go to Pittsburgh, if Ottawa get the new owner and the new owner says that I, Pierre Dorian's not my guy and I want to make a change at the top there. Um, you know, Dubas would be a top candidate. I, I, Dubas is going to land on his feet somewhere, whether it's a, a massive extension in Toronto or it's somewhere else. So I, I think he'll be okay. Uh, but I, I would just be speculating at this point. I, I don't really have a firm grasp on, on what he wants and what the, the board wants it, it's going to be really fascinating because all of a sudden he has leverage here because I, I don't pin this on him I think he no. made the, the right adjustments I just like I said before I think maybe he just bet on on the wrong core maybe there's something a little off with this core and it it needs to change I mean could you imagine them go showing up at training camp in September and looking each other in the eyes and being like okay we're gonna do another eight two games of this <laughs> like I, I know you, you hate change for change's sake, but this is, this is enough. Like this is unprecedented. 1000%. The co- and again, I don't, I don't put this on Keith. I think I actually put this on Keith the least of anybody. And I'm not saying there haven't been moments where he has been bested by another coach, but you know, when I look at the idea of being out coached and there is something to that, but it is also your stars not rising to the occasion. If Austin Matthews wins his matchup against Anthony Sorelli or to go back to Montreal, Philippe Deneau, which look, Philippe Deneau is a really good defensive center. Austin Matthews is a hard trophy winner. He should be able to win those matchups. And yes, do you want to get him away from it but when I hear the idea of out coached it does just all go back to the core to me and them not being able to kind of rise to the occasion and I, I'm with you on Dubas I think the for me personally the most terrifying uh, wrinkle to all this the most leafy outcome is Kyle Dubas going and leading the Ottawa Senators uh, uh-huh. to the promised land like it is just it's way too sitting on the table there and it and it terrifies me uh, quite frankly you know in a new coach and I think we all think that's where this is going and it's I don't think it's Keith's fault but you're right there's just no way you could run back the exact same group do you think it has to be a you know a retread for lack of a better term you know obviously Keith was somebody who had the pedigree coming through the Leaf system but he was a a new voice and I think part of the criticism of the Keith Dubas kind of tandem has been these were two guys learning on the fly for the most important parts of the Leafs franchise history and we're still right in the thick of it if they do make a coaching change which i think is certainly coming do you expect it to be a kind of and you know retread dirty word i don't mean it that way but somebody with some pedigree a name we know obviously they're not bringing babs babs back or something but somebody like that well that that tends to be the the trend right you go from players coach to hard more hard experienced guy um yeah. I, was Keith ever a players coach? I think at the beginning. Was, that, the was beginning. that really him though? Like it's so it's so asinine to think now about the music when he first showed up and how it's all about vibes. Which, he's not that guy. I don't think he was ever that guy. Oh, he's pretty kind to the players. I mean, <laughs> he has to be. Whenever, whenever he he rips them, right? He he walks it back the next day, mm. like. 
I, I does don't he, think does, he, does, do, uh, do you think he wants to be able to rip them or do you think it's uh, I'm, I'm told to apologize because he's had to apologize the next day a few times and d- does it felt like to you that that's genuine that he really wants to be apologizing the next day or he wants the ability to criticize his players yeah I think his hands are tied a bit yeah I, I think I think you're onto something there yeah yeah <laughs> I mean that's I, I feel bad for him you, you know what I, I I haven't enjoyed uh, his comments after this no. this loss, no. I, I feel like I, I wonder. I've wondered if he should start coaching for his next job a little bit and show that you know he's not okay with this, mm. as opposed to talking about coming close and hitting crossbars and and that type of thing. And you know, he was asked about the star players and said the whole team has to be better. And it's like, okay, yeah. But yeah, but <laughs> the way the way this thing is structured, really, four guys have to have to step up, and I'm not including Morgan Riley in this because he's part of the core, but he's had a phenomenal playoffs. He's so the he's the opposite him. of the core. It's like we complain about him all regular season long, and then the playoffs come and go. <laughs> Never mind, love you, Mo. Yeah, he's core adjacent, I guess. Uh, with Keith. Like it could be an all-time press conference if he took a little injection of true serum after a four-nothing sweep at the hands of Florida, the, of the Florida Panthers. But again, I don't know if he's going to take that route. But like he could, he could protest with his coaching in Game Four. He just would never expect that. Uh, is it is it lost on you that there's a serious time crunch? sort of building here. Uh, July 1, we've got all these no-movement clauses kicking in. July 1, Austin Matthews can sign an extension. July 1, Kyle Dubas doesn't have a contract anymore. I count six to seven weeks before uh, real decisions have to be in stone. Uh, it's If they move on from a GM, if they move on from a coach, if they move on from a president, the amount of activity in that boardroom is going to be next level. Uh, does that concern you at all, given that, yeah, there's got to be some serious conversations had, and there might have to be a serious decision made with a big-time player uh, before July 1? Like, is it is this reaching an untenable sort of situation where can they even get the necessary work done before the decisions actually have to be made? Well, they, they can get it done. I mean, but you have to you have to know Austin's intentions, and I wouldn't pretend to know them, but uh, you need to figure that out as soon as possible. We see that blockbuster trades are possible. I'm thinking about Matthew Kachuk uh, for Huberto and Uyghur. Like that was that was a stunner. But you know the agent and the player were forthcoming enough and saying we're not going to stay here long term. Something has to change. So are you going to get Austin locked up for whatever it is, six, seven years? Or is he going to have full control and a no-move clause? And are you going to walk him out the door for nothing? That kind of asset, like that would be unacceptable. You think about Islanders fans and how John Tavares walked out the door for nothing. And they're still furious over it, right? They're, they're still chiming in online about it. Like they're, they're not over it. Imagine how Leaf fans would feel if, if somehow mm. Matthews walked out, out the door for nothing. Like, you don't even want to think about it, Gunner, right? Yeah, so, it's very good that you point you, that to me. Because, yeah, I would, I've been broken. <laughs> yeah. well, you're, you're, you're the fan. Oh, here he has McDavid coming here, so. Well, yeah, 
I was I was on Buffalo radio and and they're like, well if it, if Arizona wins the lottery, why don't they just trade Connor Bedard for Austin Matthews straight up? Like, uh, it, it's it's getting to be a, a crazy season right now. But you have to find out what the players' intentions are, and I I don't know how Austin feels, but I would I would hope that he has enough respect for the organization and uh, his time here that he would just be upfront and say. I want to I want to sign a deal. I want to make it work. Let's let's figure out some money that makes it makes it uh, makes it uh, all, all copacetic. Or he says uh, I, I'm kind of over it. You know, I'm, I'm I don't I, I think I want a, a, a clean slate. And then you start working on what maybe the biggest trade in Leafs history. But it, it could be a wild wild off season because nothing's just stone. It's crazy. The GM's, the GM's on stone. The coach isn't in stone. No. And, now the, and now the star players are not like, yeah. And the star I, player I, can kind of make any decision for the, like, do, do, you, do you honestly think he has that much power that if Matthews says, I want Kyle Dubas to be the general manager or there's oh. no chance we're talking July 1, is Kyle Dubas the general manager? Do you think he has that level of power? I would say no. That That seems a little bit much, but he definitely has a lot of power in the organization. Man, well, hopefully, hopefully he that, that uses seems, it. That seems a little. That seems a little bit much. What What does that do for the culture if uh, the ownership wants to wants to change the front office and one player says he doesn't want to? That That, that seems like a little bit much to me. But. It does. It does seem like a little bit much, but uh, I mean, it also it also seems a little bit possible, doesn't it? There's also, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> the degrees of power, who has power? I mean, again, we've been talking about succession all day and like putting the Leafs into that plot, and it feels like the amount of people who could have sway, who could jump on that bandwagon, who could uh, like leech onto that person. Like, there's so many people with power, and there's so little time for all this dust to settle and Austin Matthews might be the first domino in all this. Uh, we will wait for the result of the Florida Panthers and Maple Leaf second round series before completely and fully delving into it. Although we're almost there. Uh, we appreciate the time Luke and we will do this again soon. Okay. Leafs in seven. All right. Bye. There we go. Leafs in seven. It's our insider don't, brought to you by oh, sorry, Don Valley North Lexus where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom visit Don Valley North Lexus.com. Don Valley North Don't gaslight me, Luke. Coming on here, <laughs> loose in seven. It I might be more mad if they win in seven. Not actually. I will come on here ecstatic, happier than I've ever been in my life. But I, but a little piece of me. Why does it always have to be this way? It has to be the hardest way possible for this franchise at all points in time. It really does. As it stands now, game three. Is it on the Mount Rushmore of defining failure moments for this franchise? I, it's not. It's not Mount Rushmore. It is the. It's number one. It really is. I think because okay, like the other the other moments we go back to and we look at are the Mont- Montreal. So Montreal will always feel the worst because of what it meant. If you're just talking fan base perspective, you know I got a neighbor two doors down. He's got Canadians crap on all his cars. He's still giving it to me. Okay, so that one stopped by the Orangeville. Uh- yeah, exactly. He did. <laughs> that one will always be worse, just emotionally. The David Ayers game is one that gets bandied about. That was indic. No, here's the thing. That was indicative of all the problems that we're now seeing. But it was a regular season game, and quite honestly, a footnote in all of this. Mm-hmm. The three nothing. It might have prevented an issue too. Yeah, it kind of like told them not to buy at the deadline, which is probably a good thing. But that game 
coming out and laying that egg in that way. And the reason why I think it's different than the Montreal games is now game seven was a debacle where they just did not get anything done. But you look at five and six, you can at least tell yourself it wasn't a team laying an egg. It was the hockey gods conspiring against you not to win that one. And Alex Gelchenyuk and Travis Dermott and guys that don't matter. So you can say, okay, but for your big boys to look so listless in that game that you needed and for it to have kicked off the pre-impending doom of the season. Think about all the other playoff failures of years past. It was over, and then we talked about it. By the time the season ends, potentially tomorrow night, we will have spent nearly a week talking about the offseason before it actually ends. And the fact that you put yourself in that position after washing away all those demons, undoing all the good that you did, that's why to me it is... It, I don't know. I always screw up the faces. Maybe it's not the only one on the Mount Rushmore, but it's the front one. Jefferson, Lincoln, I don't know. Whoever's at the front, whoever has the biggest head, that's the one for me. It really is. And is since, there something else for you? Because Montreal as a whole feels worse, but because of the play, you could talk yourself into it not being as bad. I, I think Montreal will ultimately be the defining moment of this era. It's the biggest missed opportunity. Totally. The clearest path. It was the most devastating it happened at a weird time in everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. It just like feels like that will <laughs> yes. always stand alone. Um, but this one is, it, it's not the straw that broke the camel's back. It's its the brick. Yeah. It's the brick <laughs> that went through the camel's back. But it's going to be the thing that actually inspires change. And for that reason, it's up there for sure. I, Until I see it inspire change, I'm not going to believe it. I really, I really do think in my heart of hearts, there is a world where... Kyle Dubas is back, and I want to be clear. I think that is the right decision. Mm -hmm. Brendan Shanahan is here. I want to be clear. I don't know how much that matters in the grand scheme of things. Just guards on the table. And I think Sheldon Keefe will be gone, and there will be other changes made, but not catastrophic ones, not to any of the big four. I really do think that's possible because it's everything we've talked about all week long. Show me. You show me the trade. Now, you can do the math of, well, it affects the culture in this way, and it turns player X into player Y, and this will actually, okay, that can all happen. But on paper, you show me the move where you trade Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and you're a better hockey team because of it. There isn't one. There isn't one. Flat out, no. Might be a better playoff hockey team. Maybe. 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 Probably not, though. In the Honestly, in the... Because you talk about what is the what is the prevailing sentiment? We've heard it from Luke. We've heard it from other people. Of, and now the, it's always phrased as Kyle Dubas bet on the wrong core. I mean, he drafted them and he got them, but you weren't going to just be able to swing. Uh, I don't like the way William Nylander goes about his business. Let me get another young player that's exactly on the same. It doesn't work that way. You had your core. They were great players. You locked them in. Now the die's been cast this way. And you just, you, you, you really worry that that's the thing that continues to undo this team. I can't shake. I mean, they've tried so hard to support these guys, to insulate these guys. Marlowe, Thornton, Giordano, Simmons, down the list. All these guys, all these guys who were supposed to help them, shepherd them along, have them become pros. And what was so much more impactful, I think, or would have been so much more impactful, was just bringing along legitimate talent through the system. Yeah. Why Matthew Nyes was such as is this like this massive deal, this explosion, this thing that felt so what made it feel so different was because it was different. He's the only guy who's made any sort of meaningful breakthrough. And he did at the end of the season with what, two games left in the regular year and actually played a meaningful role in the playoffs. 
This team, if there's a failure, it's, well, there's many failures. One of the failures is their ability to naturally and organically feed a hockey team. There is no talent that has come up to actually support these guys to help them raise their levels. Instead, it's been like, hey, can we cling on to something with Mark Giordano? Can we cling on to something with Patrick Marlowe, Joe Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons? All that stuff ultimately failed. All that stuff ultimately meant nothing when it actually mattered. Jason Spezza, yeah, he threw a couple punches when he got a little fed up with everybody, how everybody else was playing. It didn't do anything for them. And when you see Matthew Nye's actually make an impact and then everything go to go kaput yeah. when Matthew Nyes actually exits the lineup, you understand that, hey, this isn't the new, the Detroit Red Wings who just built everything through the draft for so long or the Tampa Bay Lightning who did it so brilliantly to get to the point that they're at now. This team has so many failures. So hold, hold on. Let me throw this at you, and I don't know the answer to this. How much of Matthew Nyes being that guy, and I want to be clear, this is a little, I think, hyperbolic, but I think it's a fair question to ask him being that guy is that he wasn't around these guys. All we wanted all last year was for him to come out early and go on the run and then have the full season with this is dumb and young. Well, ex- yeah, exactly. And we don't and finish that. We will not finish that. <laughs> and then you look at Ryan O'Reilly and what do we talk about? He has all the pedigree. He has, and we joke about it. Are we joking? Or is it the truth that this team is infecting him? He is. He does not look like the Ryan O'Reilly. That pass that he made to a Panther. One okay? moment. That's one uh, moment. It is, okay? But how much of it is that the whole, and again, I don't know the answer to this. And this is the most frustrating part of it all is that the stink, the infection, the malaise, however you want to word it, that comes out of the core of this team, that it doesn't matter if Roni Hiravainen hits next year or Topi Niemela comes up because they're just going to get, the, the Leafs flu, the, the blue and white disease, the plague, whatever you want to call it. And I don't know that that's the case. And I honestly wonder if it would matter if they would have had some second round picks that would have popped up through the system or a Sean Dursey would have come through. Would Sean Dursey have turned into Rasmus Sandin? Entirely possible. And, that's, in, and, that, and, that, is the, and possible. that is the question that's at the crux of all of this. And there is no get out of jail free card of, we just swap out the core for a core of exactly as talented players, but with different personalities. That's not happening. You're stuck with this core. And that is why it continues to be so frustrating. Is, that, is Matthew Nye's good because he hasn't been infected yet? This is my thing with the team. It's this, there's two categories. It's the core four and I guess O'Reilly, and Riley. Yep. And then it's a bunch of people brought in to try and help these guys. And ultimately, they can't bridge the gap. They cannot help them or become a cohesive unit. It's... Can we, is there a group that's brought in to help and then the core four and they cannot coalesce to actually form something meaningful. And that's, I guess my, my whole point is it's not an organic build of a hockey team. No, it's everyone. Kyle Dubas has brought in other than the core four, who's had any discernible impact on this team has been someone that another team has been willing to give up on Mm -hmm. pretty much Yeah, an unrestricted free agent, a trade, uh, someone chasing a ring. And all of them were given up on by another organization for a reason because they are either at the end of the road, they cost too much, mm-hmm. or they didn't want to be there anymore for whatever reason. Like, there is a pattern here. It's not like there's a bunch of players in this organization that people are dying to get their hands on. That's why every time they make a trade to erase a mistake, they have to bury a draft pick with it, not a prospect, because they don't have any. And someone will tell me, yeah, you look at look at this this prospect list. They got prospects. They have brought no, no one on this team contributing now has been drafted in the top. It has been dra- has been a Maple Leafs draft pick other than the core four guys in mm-hmm. what ten years? Yeah. Eight years? You pull. The you were ripping one, it off. To Matthew me this Nyes morning. was yeah. the only one. 
Yeah. Rasmus Sandin had a chance, got traded. Timothy Lilligan had a chance out of the lineup again. They've had no impact from inside their own organization because maybe they messed up the timelines, as Luke, Luke Fox mentioned, or they're just not that good at it. Yeah. It's a very fair question, and the this has been part of the thing of that, you know, we looked at the early drafts from when Dubis was with the Leafs but not making the decision, and you say, oh, those drafts are killing him. He doesn't have the capital. You can't put what's been happening for the last three, four years on anybody else other than him, and you're you're right. It is, the, the, I think the frustrating part is that you are, you have no problem having trouble developing if it is winning. But this team has been fake winning. They've been winning and they've been good. So you say, well, you can't just throw this guy into the fire, but you get the same result as a team. Uh, you know, I know you lose in the first round as opposed to being in the lottery, but effectively same result as a team that's working in. You look at the Kings, look where they are working in the Sean Derseys and Quinton Byfields and all those guys of the world. And the Leafs just haven't been able to do it. So I have a, I have a lot of time for Kyle Dubas. I think he has built a wonderful collection of talent. I was about mm-hmm. to say hockey team, but I can't say that because of what I'm seeing in front of me, but drafting has been a, has been an issue and I'll be the first to say some of it. Bad luck. He had to trade away the Seth Jarvis pick because of Marlowe and that wasn't his mistake. Mm-hmm. Amarov, definitely, definitely. Everything happened there. Guess what? Those are two guys and you're allowed to get guys outside of the first round. So I don't, I do not, ta- I do not take the blame off him for that. That he, is one he area has, he can wear. He has proven to be a great evaluator of pro talent. I, I'm not taking that away from him because by and large, the players he's brought in has helped this team. Just when we get to the playoffs, there seems to be a divide between category A, the core four, and Riley, and category B, everyone trying to make it work for mm-hmm. this team. Uh, send in your wake and rakes. We'll do a short one after the break, and we'll also to get into more succession <laughs> fan fiction as it <laughs> pertains to the Maple Leafs and MLSC. That after the break. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan morning show. Brent Gunning, Justin Cuthbert here with you this morning. I'll be uh, keeping this seat warm for the next week and a half uh, or, or so. Uh, our pal Ailish uh, taking care of some personal matters now, but very happy to have everybody uh, welcoming in me here. And you did such a good job welcoming me in of just like, you love to complain about the Leafs and you love succession. Let's do both at the exact same time. A uh, wonderful idea that you had earlier in the show of cooking up some some fanfic, succession-ish, MLSE boardroom scenarios. You gave me a wonderful one. I just, I basically just said Sheldon Keefe's going to prison. That's that's what I said. It's not very nice. <laughs> he's he's basically Tom. Yeah, he basically is. Uh, spoiler for season three, if if you're out there now, you might remember. At the end, again, I'll try to be spoiler-free as much because, you know, a show like this, last season, there will be people who are going, oh, is it good? I've heard. I'll, I'll join in. Okay, so at the end of, I believe, the second season, a character who was once with a company, Roy Star Waco, I always screw up the name, but, you know, the company in the show, a rival executive, this is what I think will happen with MLSE, a once member of the board will return attempting a hostile takeover that sounds something like this. We require as a team proper levels of pugnacity, testosterone, truculence, and belligerence. That's how our teams play. That's what the people want to hear. You don't even need anybody at the board to name that person, the new GM, the fans in in Mimico and Woodbridge, I'm sure in other areas as well. But that's really where this idea takes home. They'll just say that's our guy. 
We have put him in place. There will be a charging of the castle gates. Now it's starting to sound like January 6th, and I don't like it. But that's what I'm getting at, okay? <laughs> that's my fanfic scenario. Brian Burke coming back into town, giving the exact speech he came when he took over the first time. Because guess what? That's what people want right now. That, a good player, sure. Take it, leave it, that'd be good. I would like somebody who looks like they care. At least pretend to be mad. And you better believe that guy's hockey team would have the ability to do that. So a hostile takeover, I believe they call it a bear hug in corporate parlance, <laughs> courtesy Brian Burke. That's my fan. He fit. truly came at the wrong time, didn't he? Yeah. Like, this is the time for Brian Burke. Oh, oh, this is good oh, for my no. man, Sant Man oh, behind no. the glass. You might say, give him the old bee hug. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be Marner, cousin Gregging it, trying to get in the good books. Oh, you gave him the old bee hug. Just eh? because someone asked me on the text line what the B way <sighs> was, it's a breakaway. Mitch Marner said it, kind of cutesy little reference after losing in game three. It was and, created in a lab to turn <laughs> me into the Joker, is and what it is. It was is. the one thing I think that pissed us off the most. Uh, I got one more. Give it to me. And I, I I don't have it like crafted perfectly no. in, in terms of the story arc, but okay. I wonder if you know it's all about overthrowing ousters, coups, yes. all that stuff. Does someone? Do, is it LT? It, whoever oh. does the board say no? No, no he's not going anywhere. <laughs> is the board say you know what the issue here is? The guy wearing the letter. Mm. The issue is John Tavares, Ooh. and because you guys, you being the siblings. Brought him like here, Shanny, Dubis, Keith. You, well, can I run that, Keith? No. You guys brought him here. By the way, the one thing we've agreed on is Roman is Brandon Pridham. Like, yeah. there's no, yes, it's like th that's just it. Numbers guy. So you guys, Off to the side. you guys, Roy <laughs> or Brendan, Dubis, Shanahan. You brought the captain here. You're not. You can't get rid of him. Like you can't. You put the C on him. Mm -hmm. You made promises. You can't really burn that bridge. It's you can't. It's distasteful. You can't do it. So we need to bring in someone who can. So you bring in new general manager, new president, new coach, whatever, mm. and they don't care about things that they said or promised before, or the letters they gave out, or what they did to get John Tavares in this city. Mm. They just find a way, no movement clause or not, to get him out of town and make wow. that his $11 million comes off the salary cap. That And I joke about this, but there is one, there is something to, if it's a new regime, can they make decisions that this current regime can't with a straight face? Yeah, there's there's absolutely something to that. Can I can I throw an addendum to your, to sure. your coup plot? What if the call comes from inside the house? And what if it's the guy we've spent the whole morning talking about having all the cards in the in his hands? And Austin Matthews says, yeah, you know why I haven't been vocal? Because I don't have the C on my chest. Mm. Why don't you go full San Jose Sharks? Because that worked out so well for them. And rip it off Johnny Toronto and, and put it on and my just, chest. Don't just do that. Kick him out of the door in the process. I don't want to be, I don't have to deal with the questions about one C transferring to another yes. shoulder. Man, <laughs> it's it's wild how much is on the table. That's not going to happen. But man, it's it really is wild how much is on the table. I wouldn't, I think that's, I think that's very in the cards. The idea of uh, of of one thirty four Austin Matthews having the captain C on his sweater next year. It's as silly as it sounds. It's probably part of the deal. It's part of the. Oh, you want to keep me around here? I'm going to be the captain of this team. I'll give you five bucks off a year if you give me the C. Oh, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Honestly, though, forget all or nothing. If they want to do a real show, yes. If you and forget succession. If yeah. you want to do a real show, 
document everything that happens behind the scenes talking about this team and where it's going. I mean, pay-per-view yeah. style viewing, yeah. 100%. That, that McLean quote of demons under their bed, demons in their car, demons in their closet, that, that alone worth the price of admission. And think of how many of those you would get. It would be uh, fantastic. Let's get to the Wake and Rake. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Okay, so busy night on the network. A pair of game fours in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Carolina's in New Jersey. Dallas is in Seattle. I'm going to make a selection from the nightcap. The Dallas Stars need a victory. They're minus 135 favorites. I'm actually going to go, however, to the over because... It's at five and a half. These two teams have been scoring a bunch. Mm. Dallas needs to have a really strong effort, but they also need to overcome the deficiencies right now of Jake Ottinger, who has not been very good. So I think Dallas, if they win, they win a high-scoring affair. And if they lose, they lose 6-1, and their season's probably over. I like the over five and a half, even though the over in the Western Conference playoffs hurt us last night. Uh, I like that. I'm going to go to the hardcore myself. Uh, I kind of like the 76ers just to win tonight, but I'm not going to get greedy. Uh, Giving me them at just a plus seven and a half minus 110. Uh, I, like I said, I kind of like them to win Boston unraveling Jalen Brown, getting squeaky about not getting the ball enough. Always a bad sign in the NBA playoffs when a star is doing that. Uh, so give me this. Uh, give me the 76ers plus the points. Okay. Let's go through the anchor submissions, Ron and Juliana like Philly plus seven and a half as well. And Devin Booker to go over 31 and a half points he's been absolutely lights out but uh we'll take philly from that mm-hmm. and we'll go with gunner's pick obviously uh cory from port hope likes the guardians minus a run and a half versus the tigers with shane bieber on the bump and then eric Bur- eric from burlington rather likes the diamondbacks tonight over the marlins on the money line been a pleasant surprise to start the year and it continued to impress crush lefties and the marlins have lost six of seven anything stand out there for you yeah i like betting on sports i might actually watch so let's uh let's go with booker over 31 there okay i will find that momentarily here with the over five and a half in dallas and the 76ers plus seven and a half correct devin booker over 31 and a half is minus 120 all those parlayed together a nice plus 554 we were one leg off yesterday Let's get all three tonight. I'd like to see that. I very much would. So as I mentioned, big night on the network. You got the Stanley Cup playoffs continuing two game fours. You got both NBA playoff games on the network as well. Sportsnet 360 with Philly at Boston and Phoenix at Denver. And the Blue Jays get back into action tonight with Alec Manoa on the mound in Philadelphia against Aaron Nola. And that series will continue a short one with Kevin Gosman on the bump tomorrow. That's also an early start, 6.30 tonight, and I think it's 2 p.m. or 4 p.m. early afternoon tomorrow as well. So a bit of a different viewing experience with Philadelphia, but exciting to see the the National League winners from last year's, nonetheless. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Bryce Harper back with them, and Reese Hawkins, Hoskins not. So you get the best of both worlds. You get to see some exciting guys, and they're missing a big bopper, so it so, should bode well. So succession and big picture today consequences, what actually might happen if the Leafs lose in game four or five or six or seven. Remember, we thought about good things about the team too. Maybe we'll say them tomorrow. Yeah, we did not say them. We had had a segment planned about positives. We'll get to the positives tomorrow (laughs) when we actually attempt to tee up game four between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers. Game four in Sunrise. There'll be a lot of Leaf fans there. Maybe not as many as we expected, but the Leafs obviously have to win to continue their season or by the end of the week, we'll be doing the locker cleanup. We'll be doing big picture. We'll be doing a lot of negative 
uh, looking forward type of content to close the week before we move on to the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But uh, we will tee up tomorrow, tomorrow. Gunner, thanks again for jumping on, and we'll chat with you soon.